God, in this holy Advent season, you call us to follow your will. Whatever your will is, Lord, help us to find it. And help us to seek those changes in our life to which you are calling us and to find our power to do that in our Savior Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. God's peace to you, friends, and a very blessed Advent season to you all. Uh, we are beginning a brand new sermon series today as we start this Advent season. The series is called Nuts and Bolts, the Building Blocks of a Vibrant Christian Life. Nuts and Bolts. You know, if you think about it, nuts and bolts are pretty important, especially in the realm of construction. Just ask the people who commute over the Bay Bridge between Oakland and San Francisco, California. Ask them if nuts and bolts are important to that bridge. You see, in the spring of 2013, some rather large, high-strength steel rods snapped on that bridge. Bolts were scattered everywhere, and you can well imagine that the commuters got a little concerned in seeing all these loose bolts laying around and the cables kind of dangling. In all, 32 of those large nuts and bolts failed, compromising the stability of the Bay Bridge. Indeed, nuts and bolts are important. Today, we want to begin a conversation about the nuts and bolts of Christian discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? When we say we want to follow Jesus, when we consider Shepherd of the Desert's mission statement of leading people to follow Jesus, what exactly are we intending to do? What does that really mean, to follow Jesus? Jesus. Not in the abstract, but concretely, what does that mean? When we think of things like expanding our great preschool of 180 students uh, to a K to 8 something elementary school, perhaps, with hundreds more, what at heart are we endeavoring to do? When we uh, Think about why we are here at 96th and Shea and at 9400 East Mountain View. What is the answer to that? What, what is our purpose as a church? What would our purpose be as a school? And why risk a mission beyond these walls? What is at the heart of what it is we're trying to do? And what is essential to the message that we want to communicate? What are the nuts and bolts of being followers of Jesus at this place we call Shepherd of the Desert? I think it would be helpful to start with some biblical references. Consider for a moment the message that we hear from John the Baptist, we heard that in the gospel lesson today, and from Jesus and from his disciples in the gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read three passages from the gospel of Matthew. And see if you can determine the common message in all three. In Matthew 3, 1 and 2, it says, In those days John the Baptist came, 
preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One chapter later in Matthew 4, verse 17, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You hearing a theme? And then later in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 5, it says, these 12, that is 12 disciples, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What is the common theme here? The word that some churches today don't want to utter, but the word that no church can live without. Can you fill in the blank? What is the word? Repent. Repent. You see, the heart of Jesus' call to us is to repent. And it certainly is the major theme of the Advent season. Repentance. Repentance is all about change. It's about transformation in our lives. The Greek word for repent literally means change of mind, change of mind. To have a change in the way we think that leads to a change in the way we behave. It's doing a 180-degree turn away from what is wrong and to what is right with God's help. Advent is a season of repentance, a time to consider where we need some change or some transformation in our own individual lives. Now, it's one thing to trumpet Christ's call to repent, but it really kind of begs the question, repent of what? What do we need to repent of and repent from? Well, let's consider four areas of change in the life of a Christian disciple, four areas of change. We are going to be exploring these four areas of change over these four Sundays of Advent. We're going to introduce one each week. But, uh, but let me go through the four of them and just give a brief summary of each of them. Four areas of change in the life of a Christian disciple. The first one that we'll expand on more later today is the area of morality. Morality. This has to do with our character. It has to do with the status of our moral being our conformity to the full expectations of the Ten Commandments as they are stated in Exodus chapter 20 and as Jesus expanded on them in Matthew chapter 5 and as Martin Luther expanded on, if you will, in his small catechism explaining the full import of God's commands for our lives. Morality is the first area that God calls us to experience change and transformation. The second area has to do with theology. That is, seeking clarity about who God really is. 
Is there a lack of clarity in your own understanding about who God is, who Jesus really is? Is there needs or for some, some growth, some transformation in your understanding, theologically speaking? The third area of change is that area of vocation. Vocation, from the word vocari in Latin meaning calling. This has to do with the various God-ordained callings in life. Maybe it's a vocation to be a parent, to be a child, to be a sibling, to be a citizen of this nation, a vocation to be an employer or an employee, the vocation to be a friend to someone else. You see, we have various vocations or callings from God that we are to live out in a way that honors him. Are there any areas of change needed in your life of vocation? And then the fourth area is the therapeutic area. This recognizes, friends, that we are all broken in some way, that we all carry scars from hurts from the past. And how do we neutralize those hurts in terms of how they affect our soul? Is there a need for some change or transformation therapeutically in your life? We're going to explore these four areas during these four Sundays of Advent and hear Jesus' call for change and transformation in all four. Today's focus then is on the first one. Moral change for a disciple. Again, this has to do with character. Character. And first of all, when it, ha when it, when it comes to morality, we are called to repent of our moral failures. The times that we have caved in to the ways of the world over against the ways of God. The call to repent in this area is to admit our failure to live according to God's expectations as found in Scripture, to measure our lives against what God calls us to and to acknowledge our failures. It also means that we are called to repent of indifference to the good that God calls from us. You know, we know the good that we should do, and yet, for whatever reason, we choose not to. Another way of thinking about these two areas and related to morality is to talk about sins of commission and sins of omission. Maybe you learned that in confirmation class however many years ago. Sins of commission are those things that we do that are wrong. And sins of omission are failing to do what is right. And we need to be honest about both and repent of both. In considering moral change, we also want to recognize the importance of going beyond the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. You know, someone might argue, well, I've, I've pretty much kept God's commandments. For example, I haven't murdered anybody. But Jesus himself expands from that letter of the law 
to the spirit of the law. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Ooh. Hating someone is as much as murdering them. Jesus expands from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law and shows us we all have failed morally. Or someone might say, well, you know, I've obeyed the sixth commandment, do not commit adultery. I've never had an illicit affair outside of my marriage. I've been faithful to my spouse. Jesus expands that one and basically warns us to guard our hearts against lust, for lust itself is sinful. You see, sin always begins in the mind and in the heart before it becomes action. And Jesus takes it right where it needs to be. So I want to ask you a very direct question. You don't have to answer this out loud, but I want you to answer it for yourself personally. What is the biggest moral challenge that you are facing right now? Either sins of commission or sins of omission, what, are the, what is the biggest moral challenge you are facing right now? When you came in uh, to the sanctuary this morning, the ushers handed you a little three-by-five card. Now, I don't want you to put your name on that card anywhere. But before you leave the campus today, I want to encourage you to write the answer to that question on that card. And you can place it in the offering plate if you wish or uh, leave it on the counter when you leave. But the question again is, what is the biggest moral challenge you are facing right now? How would you answer that? Write that on the card. Don't put your name. Pastor Scott and I would be interested in seeing what people write on their cards without names because we want to know what are our people struggling with so that we can be more effective pastors to our people and bring the gospel message to our people in a way that is relevant. What are you struggling with? What is your biggest moral challenge right now? You see, the first step toward real meaningful change is acknowledging that there is a problem. In the story of the Bay Bridge, there were four reasons for the failure of the nuts and bolts in the building program. An analysis was done, and this is what was concluded. Four reasons for the failure. Number one, bad installation. The installer failed to tighten the bolts adequately. Number two, bad tools. The tools used to tighten the bolts were not calibrated to the tightness needed. You know, bolts can be either too tight or too loose, and both of those can be problems, and you have, the, have, to, have to have the right tools calibrated properly to set those nuts and bolts in, at just the right level of tightness, and that was not done. Thirdly was bad materials. The quality of the steel in the nuts and bolts was questionable. It was too rigid, too brittle, and they snapped all too easily under pressure. And then fourthly, 
they discovered bad sequencing of tightening with the other nuts and bolts in the structure. In other words, one bolt was over-tightened before the other bolts were somewhat tightened adequately and supportive of the rest. There's a proper sequence that needs to be done to tighten them down properly to assure stability, and that was not done. There were reasons for the failure that needed to be acknowledged so that the problem could then be corrected. Building a bridge, of course, is literally a monumental task. And our conversation about repentance and change to this point is a tall order as well, a tall order for human beings like you and me. You may be uh, feeling like in yourself like the change that is needed in your life is impossible, that it's too big a task. I can't imagine actually experiencing change in this area of my life. Well, it's true. It is too big for us alone to change. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Whatever challenge you're facing right now is not beyond God's power to fix. Advent season, you see, is not only a season of repentance. It's also a time of hope. It's a time for anticipating the coming of the Savior who is the source of our hope for real change. It centers on Jesus Christ. And here's a nuts and bolts kind of question for the Advent season. For what purpose did God send His Son into the world anyway? I mean, we celebrate Christmas every year, but what's it really all about? Why did Jesus come anyway? For what purpose did God the Father send the Son into the world? St. Paul answers that question this way in his first letter to Timothy when he wrote, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul was honest enough about his own faults and failings and recognized that he could not change himself, but it was Christ Jesus who came into the world to precisely save sinners like himself. And the good news is Jesus came for you too. And Jesus doesn't merely call us to repent and then leave us wallowing in our sins. He himself provides the solution to our sins. In fact, he himself is the solution as he gives his life for us on a cross. There on Calvary's hill at the cross, Jesus accomplished forgiveness for all of our moral failures, for all the times that we've committed the wrong things and all the times we've omitted doing the right things. For all of it, Jesus died and took the punishment we deserve. He forgives your sins and mine through faith. And that's not the end of the story, of course. He rose from the dead on the third day to guarantee victory over all of that, victory over sin, victory over hell, victory 
over death and the assurance of life everlasting. And he has given us his Holy Spirit who works to shape our character more and more into the character of Jesus Christ. He's working on us constantly to make us more and more like himself. And so, friends, as we begin this month-long journey to Christ's coming at Christmas, let us prepare for the Lord by preparing our hearts. That begins with the nuts and bolts, with an honest, genuine desire for inner change and outer transformation. Repentance. It's about living a vibrant Christian life. May the Lord be working mightily in each of our hearts throughout this Advent season, a season of change and transformation. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.